0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic, fantastic. If you were here last Sunday, we, I thought it was going to be a standalone message. We talked about the mind. How many of you were here last Sunday? You heard us talk about, are you out of your mind? For some of you, that applies very well. Can I have a good amen? And so I had six points. I had six thoughts that I wanted to give you out of that, and I only got through two. Um, so we said, well, okay, we're going to follow this back up on Wednesday. How many of you came Wednesday night? Okay. Yeah, it was crazy. That was one of those sloppy times in God. I love it. And, uh, but I got through points three and four, okay? So out of six points, I've only covered four. How many of you want the other two points? Well, you're going to have to wait till next Sunday because this is for the kids. Come on. I want to do a standalone for the kids. This is about our students. I think it's going to speak to all of us, but if you'll come back next Sunday, I will try to finish that whole teaching on... Uh, are you out of your mind? Now, I know some of you taking notes and, and the fact that you didn't have all six of them, it's been messing with you. How many left brain people do we have in the house and you've just been losing sleep over what are those final two points? Got some left-brainers. Then we got some right brain people among us as well. How many didn't even realize we were talking about the mind? <laughs> points, notes, what are you talking about? So uh, come back next Sunday and I'll do my best to finish that up. But today I want to talk to you. The theme for our students today is freedom. Everybody say freedom. Come on, say it like you got some. Say freedom. Freedom. Mm, I'm just declaring that over our children. I'm declaring that over you and over this house. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I thought I'd read this to you. came across this the other day. I thought this was interesting. University of Alabama. University of Alabama had a, a great football player but he was failing at his math class, and he was about to become academically ineligible. So the coach asked the player why he couldn't pass his tests. The player said he he liked to perform under pressure, and so it would help him if he could take the test in the football stadium in front of all the fans. So the coach talked to the professor into giving him a shot, and the professor agreed. So the next day, 90,000 Bama fans filled Bryant-Denny Stadium to help cheer their star football player on. There he was at the 50-yard line, and he opened the test up, and everyone cheered his name. The one and only question on this test was simply this, what's two plus two? The player thought and thought and thought about it. What seemed like 10 minutes as the fans just waited in silence, and finally the player says, four? Four? Immediately, the whole crowd erupted and said, no, give him another chance. <laughs> and all of God's people said, go Tigers. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. Two plus two is four. Okay, John 8, John eight thirty six, John eight thirty six. Just having fun, just having fun. It's all good. John 8, 36, Jesus said these words. I, I love this verse being in the Bible. I love the scriptures from cover to cover, but this verse is powerful, and this is what I'm believing for our students and for you today. John 8, 36, Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be what? Mm-mm-mm. If the Son makes you free, you will be free in Indeed. Now, I thought about this this week, and and as I was preparing for our back-to-school theme and this whole thing on freedom, I thought, you know, I I would love to rewind the clock 30 years. And if I could go back to the 15-year-old version of Mike Heyman, what would I tell him? How many of you wish you could go back and talk to a previous version of you? I mean, knowing what you know now, all of your knowledge, all of your experience, all the pain that you've walked through, if you could take all of that and talk to a teenage version of yourself, what would you say? How many know that that would be golden? Here's what I would tell Mike Heyman, 15 years old. I would say, Mike, you care too much about what other people think. Listen, y'all, I was in such bondage over the approval of others. I was a slave to the opinions of people around me. And some of you know what that's like. How many of you had your own battles when you were in school? And, you know, the things we thought were so important then, they're not now. But we were held captive. You know the quickest way for you to forget what God thinks about you is to worry about what everybody else thinks about you. You know when you're in your teenage years, you when you're in your teens and 20s, you care what everybody thinks. But when you're in your 30s and 40s, you don't care what anybody thinks. And then when you're in your 50s and 60s, you realize ain't nobody been thinking about you at all. Come on, are you with me? And you know one of the things, and I didn't have to wrestle with this, you know, when I was in high school cuz we didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. But now with technology, how many of you know it just amplifies the pressures that are on our kids? Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, your kids and your grandkids are fighting battles that you never fought. There are pressures that are right there at their fingertips. I mean, it's just an onslaught against them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, when you got social media, we got Facebook. I remember being in, 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 in school and on summer vacation, you know, you didn't talk to any of your friends. I mean, summer vacation took forever. But now you get summer break and man, you're checking Facebook, you're tech, checking social media. Well, wait, wait a second. I, I didn't go on that trip. Or, I didn't get invited to that party. Come on, somebody. Man, I didn't know I should be wearing those kind of clothes. Or, or we look at the, the post and we see how many likes or how many comments. And if we're not careful, we will base our self-worth. Come on, somebody. I'd say, Mike, quit worrying about what other people think. You see, there's the me I pretend to be. There's the me I'm pressured to be. There's the me other people expect me to be, but what about the me God created me to be? You see, that's the version of you that I want to talk about because that version gets lost among the pressures and expectations and opinions of others. Can I have a good amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preaching to me right now. When we talk about freedom, I want to I highlight three different bondages that come against our kids. And in fact, if you'll lean in and listen from here, I think it'll minister to you. This is not just about your children, but this is about you too. There are three bondages that come against this generation. And the first is this, insecurity. If you're taking notes, write down the word insecurity. That is a big deal. And I, what I want to use today is a backdrop 1 Samuel 17 and the story of David and Goliath, a very famous story, popular story. But here, God takes a young teenage boy, and I want you to see how this teenage boy navigates through some of the pressures in this experience. Insecurity, insecurity. You know, the Bible tells us that, that the prophet Samuel went to the house of Jesse and God told Samuel, go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his. I'm going to show you, but one of his sons is going to be the future king of Israel. And so Samuel knocks on the door, and Jesse's like, oh, prophet, what are you doing here? How I many you know if a prophet came and knocked on your door, you'd be praying real fast? <laughs> oh, can I help you? He said, yeah, bring your sons before me, because this day God's going to anoint the future king of Israel. And so Jesse had eight sons. And he brings his oldest, and from the oldest down the line, they all walk before Samuel, and God said, no, 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 no. A man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at, and Samuel says, Jesse, don't you have any other children? And Jesse's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a, the youngest one is out back watching sheep. How many of you know that David's dad didn't even think he was king material? David was at the back of the line. Oh, I'm fixing to preach right now. But God sometimes will choose from the back of the line. Maybe you weren't first in line. Maybe you weren't best, you know, fitted. Or maybe you weren't the most qualified. But sometimes God will reach in the back of the line and say, I want that one. Here comes David, this little shepherd boy. And God said, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy. So David carries the anointing to be king, but yet he's 17 years old, and he's just watching sheep. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that the Israelites are faced off against the Philistines. They were constant rivals, always fighting. And in the Valley of Elah, The Bible says that the champion Philistine named Goliath, for 40 days he strutted and he taunted the the, the armies of Israel. And he defied their God. And he says, who will fight me? Send me a man who will fight. Guess what? All of Israel was afraid. So for 40 days they had to listen to the insults of this pagan Philistine. And here comes old David up on the scene. He's like a pizza delivery boy. I mean, for real. His dad told him, hey, bring this breadsticks and bring this cheese and, and go, go give it to your bro- I'm mean, cheese bread. Come on, somebody. It's like little Caesars, man. He's just dropping it off. And hey, how's, what, what's going on? What, who is that guy? What is he saying? Now, listen, David's brothers told him something. David's brothers said, you don't belong here. You don't have what it takes. You see, insecurity, these brothers represents the voice that says, you don't have what it takes. The devil wants you to be insecure in your mind and in your spirit. He wants you to think you're not equipped. You don't have what it takes. You don't belong where uh, where you are. Can I tell you this? If you let others create your world for you, they will always create it too small. Some of you have been listening to the voice of your Even those closest to you will limit you. Some of you have had family members that you thought would believe in you and encourage you. Like, no, 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 you don't belong here. You need to go on back to those sheep. Now, if David would have listened to his brothers, hear me, church, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. Don't give any credence to that voice that criticizes. Think about it. For 40 days, okay, okay, brothers, y'all big and bad. For 40 days, you've been cowards hiding in fear. i tell you this: your critics are always cowards. Man, no crit anybody who criticizes you for doing the things of God, they're never doing more than you. They're always doing less than you. Come on, can I have a better amen. Don't listen to the voice of your critics. And don't give them permission to make you feel inferior. You know, when I was in the ninth grade, my freshman year, about midway through my freshman year in high school, I grew up in southeast Missouri, out in the middle of nowhere. You know the Bible talks about the uttermost parts of the earth? (laughs) They're in southeast Missouri, okay? My dad took a job in in Baton Rouge, so my parents, they moved our family in the late 80s here. In the middle of my ninth grade year, I started a brand new school in the middle of my freshman year. My first day at a new school was my birthday. And, man, you talk about tough. I went from knowing everybody to knowing nobody. I mean, for uh, about the first week, nobody in school would even talk to me. Nobody included me. I felt isolated. I felt alone. After that first week, I remember talking to my dad, saying, "Dad, I don't know if I'm going to make it here." Every day, I would go to the cafeteria during lunch, and I would sit by myself. There were groups of people and cliques of friends, and I just couldn't find man. Where am I going to fit? And so, I sat alone. I'm tell you, the devil wants to isolate you and tell you you don't belong. Yeah. Then I looked up and I noticed, well, there's some other individuals that are sitting by themselves. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go sit with them. And so, God used that experience to give me an eye for the one, to, to see things that I would have otherwise missed. And so, I just began to sit with the nobodies, okay? And they were somebodies to me. I'm going to form my own little group. I'm not going to give people permission to make me feel inferior. Well, basketball season rolls around, and, well, school began to realize I had a little bit of talent because I could put a round ball through an iron hoop. All of a sudden now, people were asking me, hey, Mike, come sit at our table. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. If you couldn't accept me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. If you want to sit with me, you come to the table of the nobodies. Come on now. I was not going to give them permission to make me feel inferior. And don't you do it. Because insecurity will neutralize the power of God in you. The devil wants you to feel like, well, you don't belong. You'll never measure up. You don't have what it takes. Listen, God dwells within you, and he orders your steps. And if he called you to it, he will equip you for it. Hear me, church. Listen. Listen with your spirit now. If you needed their approval, you would have gotten it. But if you didn't get it, then you don't need it. Come on, somebody. You don't need their approval to do what God has called you to do. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you have the favor of God, you don't need the approval of man. Why are you chasing man's approval when God has already said, I've called you, I've anointed you, I've equipped you, and I've empowered you? Come on, somebody. Are you receiving that today? Paul said it this way in Galatians 1.10. He said it this way. He said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, so what are we going to do this year? Are we going to please man, are we going to please God? Lord, I say, it's your opinion of me that matters most. Are you with me? David's brother said, you don't have what it takes. Go on back to the house. But King Saul then hears, wait a second. There's somebody among us who's actually willing to fight this giant. Bring him here. Let me talk to him. And here comes little old David. Saul looks at him. He's like, my, 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 my. We got a problem. Aren't you glad that God doesn't judge you by the outside? Uh, Saul's like, well, okay, listen. If you're going to fight, you can't go like this. If you're going to fight, you need to fight like me. The second bondage against our kids and against us as a body of believers is this. Number two, comparison. And I want you to see how insecurity and comparison are tied. When you're insecure, then you begin to compare yourself to others. And when you compare yourself to others, it just builds more insecurity. You see, Saul said, if you're going to fight, you got to wear this armor. Here, put, put on my armor. I always thought that was, well, Saul, that was really generous of you. You're going to give up your armor. Yeah, you know why? Because he had no intention of using it. Come on, are you with me? And so David tries on this armor, and it's way too big. And it's so uncomfortable, and it just doesn't fit. And David said, you know what? I can't go like this. I can't wear this. It's not me. You know what David said? David said, I got to be myself. Oh, if I could talk to the 15-year-old version of Mike Heyman, I would say, listen, don't you dare be insecure because God has qualified you. But then I'd tell him, number two, be yourself. Because the freedom to be yourself is the freedom to be your best. You know this, God is not going to help you be like anybody else. I'm telling you, I wrestled with this, not just in high school, but even in ministry. My, my early days in, in being a youth pastor, I was still trying to discover my identity, find my voice. And, and so I would listen to all these other pastors and preachers and evangelists, and I would just try to imitate what I saw. I mean, Billy Graham would preach an amazing evangelistic message, give an altar call, and just thousands would come forward and give their life to Christ. And I remember I would go down to that youth group and I would preach my best John 3 16 and give my best. Billy Graham altar card. I'd say, come, come to Jesus. Come, we'll wait on you. Come from the balcony. And there was no balcony. It was just like <laughs> 30 students in this little room. And we'll wait for you. Come, just as I. And I gave them my best Billy Graham moment, and they, they didn't respond. I was like, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. Well, you know what? T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes, come on, the bishop. Let me bring it like the bishop. If I can just say it like Bishop Jake's, I can bring them to their feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd preach on a Wednesday night and Rachel get home and be like, you so white, what are you doing? <laughs> I wasn't me, man. I I couldn't, I could, not be as compelling as Billy Graham or as powerful as TD Jakes. I I wasn't as smart as Andy Stanley, or I didn't have the leadership slogans of John Maxwell. I couldn't be as happy as Joel Osteen. I just wanted to spy. I just spy. (laughs) Love you. Love. I want to love you. How many of you love to see Joel Osteen mad one time, wouldn't you? Awesome. He was just so nice. I tried to be everybody, and God said, Mike, I got an idea for you. How about you just be yourself? Listen, you got to get comfortable in your skin. I don't act like, walk like, talk like, do like, think like everybody else. Guess what? I'm different. (laughs) And so are you. I told my kids the other day, yeah, I tried to be normal once. (laughs) Worst two minutes of my life. (laughs) I know I'm strange, but guess what? If I try to act like somebody else, then I'm denying the uniqueness that God placed inside of me. What I'm saying to God is, Lord, when you made me, you didn't do it right. Let me help you. How many know God doesn't need your help? When God made you, he wasn't having a bad day. God made you, and he looked back and he said, ooh, it's good. If you'll just embrace who you are. Be yourself and let God be himself to you. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. David said, no, 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 I can't. Some of you are trying to fight your giant wearing somebody else's armor. God does not anoint imitation. He anoints inspiration. Now, let people inspire you, but you don't have to copycat anybody else. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. God said, I got something special I'm going to place in you. I got something unique. There's a gift. There's a talent. There's an ability. David said, no, 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 I can't go in this armor. You know what I need? Give me that slingshot. Oh, let me go down to the river. I got to get me some some stones. And he got his shepherds back and he put five stones in this bag. Five. Why did he put five stones in that bag? Well, somebody said Goliath had four brothers. Maybe David was like, "Goliath, this is for you, this is for your brother, this is for your other brother." I, I I don't know. Maybe he needed a little insurance. Okay, if this first one misses, I'm going to grab the next one. But you know what he did? With a rock in his pocket and God in his heart, he moved forward. I'm slinging rocks, and if this one don't hit, I'm slinging another one. And if this one don't connect, I'm slinging another. Some of your parents say, you know what? I've been praying, and that prayer isn't working. Well, you know what? Grab another rock. It's called fasting. And some of you have been praying and fasting. If that doesn't work, grab another rock. It's called praying in the Holy Ghost. If that doesn't work, grab another rock. Man, it's called anointing them with oil. If that doesn't work, grab another rock. Get two or three people gathered around you and have a Holy Ghost party. But don't stop throwing rocks. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, we, we can't fight battles wearing somebody else's armor. Comparison is a killer. The third thing, I need to wrap this up. My goodness, I can't believe this. I'm running out of time. Third thing, intimidation. Here's another bondage that the enemy tries to create within our kids. Insecurity, comparison, and intimidation, here's the voice of Goliath. Think about this giant of a man, big, strong, ugly, yelling and cursing, Man, everybody is in fear. And he looks at David, and he's like, what? Am I some dog that you're going to chase me with sticks? He says, boy, I'm about to destroy you. You see, the voice of intimidation says, I'm going to destroy you. And the devil wants you to be intimidated. He wants you to, to walk in fear. I'm going to tell you this. Fear and intimidation are the biggest tools of the enemy. I mean, you know his bark is worse than his bite? And he will yell. I mean, they yell the loudest. They scream the longest. And here, Goliath is yelling and screaming. But I want to ask you this. If David would have listened to his brothers, if David would have listened to Saul, and if David would have listened to to Goliath, he wouldn't even be on the battlefield. He wouldn't even show up for battle. But guess what? David had to hear the voice of the creator of his soul. He had had to hear another voice. You know, intimidation, fear is a spirit. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, love. And a sound mind. You see, everybody in Israel thought Goliath was too big to fight, but David said, no, he's too big to miss. Come on, somebody. Here's what David said. When Goliath says, I'm going to destroy you, write that down, I'm going to destroy you. When Goliath says that, David says, okay, you come to me, First Samuel 17, 45. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name. Come on, somebody. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Let me tell you something about that name. It's a name above every name. It's a name that even demons tremble. It's a name that the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. David says, I'm not coming against you in my own strength, but let me tell you what I got. I got a name. And his name is G. The Bible says, the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have to fight. Today, somebody say today. Today, Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. And I will, ooh, I'm cutting your head off. Oh, pastor, that's a little violent. Listen, some of you, you need to learn how to fight. Man, you can't play nice when it comes to the enemy. Come on, somebody. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by forth. He, say, he says, well, this is what I'm telling you. I'm going to cut your head off, and then I'll give your dead, the dead bodies of your men to the birds with wild animals. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and not with a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Can I have a good amen? amen. Whose battle is it? It's the Lord's. Listen, Goliath may be bigger than you, but he's not bigger than your God. Don't allow anybody to put you in a box of insecurity. Don't allow the devil to tempt you to to compare yourself to anybody else, and don't you dare be intimidated by your adversary because the God who's in you is greater than the battle that's in front of you. Jesus said, he that... The sun is set free. I believe God's going to set some people free. I believe God's going to set a generation free. The scripture says David ran onto that battlefield. He didn't tiptoe. He didn't apologize. He wasn't going to wait and see what Goliath's going to do. He ran. When you are anointed and appointed by God, you can face your adversary with Confidence. And he ran onto that battlefield, and he took that slingshot and grabbed that stone and let that thing fly. And guess what? It hit the enemy in the only spot that was available. i me tell you, God can get you right where you need to be. The Bible says that giant went down. Boom! Oh, can you imagine? Can, how many would love to be on the battlefield right about now? Oh, man, I want to see. You talk about shock and awe. I wonder what David's brothers were saying now. Huh? How you like me now? What, 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 what? So I didn't need your armor. No, no, I had God. I had the Spirit of God. I had the hand of God. The battle is the Lord's. The Bible says that the Israelites routed the Philistines, and that day, everything changed. You see, there are some moments in your destiny that you only get one time. Don't let it pass before you. Don't miss it. I'm going to ask the band to come up, but let me close. He that the Son has set free. Somebody say the Son. The Son. That's Jesus. He that the Son has set free. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. Freedom comes from no other place than Jesus and Jesus alone. i me tell you this. Bondage will enter when you try to pursue things outside of Christ. When you feel like, okay, I'll only be happy, I'll only be fulfilled when this happens, and it's outside of Jesus, then that gives the enemy room. In fact, let me say it this way. Anything you have to have to be happy other than Christ is something the enemy can use against you. You catching that? Well, I've I got to have this job, and then I'll be happy. Or I got to make this amount of money, and then I'll be happy. Or I got to get my kids out of school, and then I'll be happy. Or I got to get, get that boat, or I got to, you know, re- retirement. Or I got to get those grandkids. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. That, that's a race that has no finish line. And anything you have to have to be happy other than Christ is something the devil will leverage against you. That's why freedom comes in Jesus and Jesus alone. He that the Son has set free is what? Okay, now let me ask you this. What's the difference between free and free indeed? Is there a difference? You better believe it. You say, well, Mike, isn't free good enough? Okay, let me ask you this. Remember several years ago in June of 2016, I don't know if you saw this on the news, but there were two convicts that escaped from a maximum security prison in New York. Did you see that? I mean, they were on the loose. I mean, for three weeks, they were at large. I mean, there was a manhunt and all kind of search teams and all these resources put together to try to find these two guys. After three weeks, they found these two men in Canada, and they arrested them and brought them to justice. Now, let me ask you this. Were they free? For three weeks, they were free, but they weren't free indeed. You see, God doesn't want you living like an escaped convict. Always looking over your shoulder wondering if your past, come on somebody, is my past gonna catch up with me? No, 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 Jesus said, if I set you free, you don't have to run from guilt or shame or condemnation in your past. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. My blood covers everything in your yesterday. Quit allowing your yesterday to mess up your today. Some of you may be free, but you're not free indeed. Your past is a point of reference, but it's not a place of residence. The only reason why you look to your past is to learn from it. Come on, somebody. You learn from your past, but you, hey, don't judge me by my past because I don't live there anymore. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. And when you walk in freedom, you talk about joy. Listen, if you're truly free... People can hurt you, but they'll never control you. You hear what I'm saying? They may hurt you, but they can't control you because you are free. You can't hold me down. You can't hold me back. Man, you can come against me, but you can't touch the gift of God inside of me. Come on. You can't touch it. In the words of the great theologian of the late 80s, M.C. Hammer, Can't touch it. Nah, 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 I can't. you can't touch my heart. You can't touch my mind. Listen, freedom comes from Jesus. Come on, somebody. And when you walk in freedom, there's a joy, there's a boldness, there's a confidence. What would your life look like if you were free from insecurity, free from comparison, and free from intimidation? I believe that you could change the world. And I believe this school year, our kids will change their campus. They're going to mark this community and turn this city upside down. You receive that? Come on, put your heads together if you believe that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.